Father, we thank you for these moments now to come away from the busyness of life. We ask for your help to do that even as we sit here when our minds and our hearts can easily be on other things. We ask, please, that as we open the Bible, you would show us more of Jesus, your glorious Son, that we might be ready and helped to listen to him and to live for him today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, do come back to Matthew um, chapter 17. And uh, last week, in the verses just before Matthew chapter 17, Jesus dropped a huge bombshell on his disciples. Something to this effect. He said to them and to would-be followers of Jesus today, he said this, lose your life now to gain it later. He was calling his followers to lose their lives now in order to gain it later. To live for him rather than to live for themselves. We try to reflect something of this call in our mission statement here at St. John's where the first part is living for Jesus. It's a great summary of what a Christian is. I still remember um, very clearly a morning at home in Scotland, aged 18, when I woke up and this came home to me with fresh effect because I had become very aware that uh, on a Sunday morning I appeared to be listening to Jesus and living for Jesus, but Monday to Saturday I was very aware that I was struggling to do that as if there was a great divide in my life. And I was professing something with my church family and friends on a Sunday. But then the rest of the week, I knew within that I was struggling to honestly live for Jesus. And that I needed to come to that awareness that actually Jesus wants more from his followers. There is no division, the sacred and the secular. He's Lord for me over here, but not over there in this place but not in that place, on this day not in that day. And so the challenge of discipleship like that can be a lifelong growing thing, but with moments when we see clearly why it has to be that way. Whether you're here for the first time, whether you're new to exploring Christianity, whether you would already describe yourself as living for Jesus, we want to understand not just the essential characteristics of discipleship, but also why 
We can be sure about doing this and living this way for Jesus. And this morning, we're given two reasons in our passage as to why we should listen slash live for Jesus. There's not really a separation. It's the living for Jesus, but it's connected to listening to him and knowing who he is. We're six days on, Matthew flags that up for us, six days on at the start of chapter 17 since uh, Jesus dropped that bombshell. And so the, the fact that he starts chapter 17 is meant to link the two when he says six days later, he's linking back for us the challenge that Jesus has made. And now Jesus takes not all of the disciples, but just some of them, three out of everyday life, high up a mountain, away from other things, away from crowds. It's very different from what's been happening. They're removed from that, and so they're going to have something revealed to them privately. It's only given to some, and it seems that this perhaps links back to the verse, the last verse in chapter 16, talking about how some will see the glory of Jesus the King. So it seems that now some of that group who heard the bombshell are being given this private, what we're told in verse 9 of chapter 17 is a vision at the top of the mountain. But wonderfully, whereas it was only given to some and then later shared in the Bible, we get to join in. We get to to share something of this experience. Here's the first reason in verses 1 to 8 why we need to listen slash live for Jesus. Keep those two things together. We need to... um, Uh, we need to understand that He's the glorious Son of God. He's the glorious Son of God. There's three aspects in these verses. Here's the first in verse verse 2. There He was transfigured before Him. His face shone like the sun, and His clothes became as white as the light. There is a visible alteration, it seems, of Jesus it describes a changed appearance. He, he is being marked out not just as a good teacher in verse 2. It's, it's the same Jesus, but now with awesome brightness, like the sun and like light. Or, or, or one commentator describes it like this. It's with the dullness of earthly conditions stripped away so that the true nature of God's Son can for once be seen. Later, when when Peter writes in his letter um, in 2 Peter, he talks about being eyewitnesses to the majesty of Jesus, the honor and glory of Jesus. So that's the first aspect in these verses. The second aspect comes in verse 3. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. We have the introduction of two really well-known inhabitants of heaven. 
Moses and Elijah. They join Jesus, and it seems that they symbolize the coming of the messianic age. They talked and pointed forward. In the Old Testament, they pointed forward to the coming Messiah. And so this conversation is marking Jesus out as God's Messiah, the one to whom they pointed. Now, at this point in verse 4, it seems Peter possibly misses the point and says, let's make some tents. Let, let's, it's good to be here. Let's put some shelters up. It seems Peter is missing the point. He's very quickly about to be corrected. If he thinks that Jesus is just the same as Moses and Elijah, and therefore one tent for Moses, one tent for Elijah, one for Jesus, he's missing the point. I heard a story yesterday from a friend who said that he was out walking, and on the walk, they were talking about seeing famous people. And they went round the corner and down a narrow lane, and coming towards them was Superman. Henry Cavill, Superman, not in red and blue, but still in this narrow lane, pretty massive, and walking this huge dog. And they were walking towards him, and they were sort of one behind the other. And my friend turned to the others and said, <laughs> to which they replied, <laughs> and as they walked past, they got to the other side. And they turned to each other, and Rich was like, wasn't that amazing? And he said, well, it was a nice dog, but I've seen dogs like that before. They completely missed who it was. Now, to be fair, the illustration breaks down because if he'd been wearing the red and blue, that might have caught their eyes more. And they might have recognized who they were passing and who was in the lane but they completely missed that. It seems Peter has missed the point here, despite this incredible sign from heaven. But he's quickly corrected by the third aspect of what happens, the voice from the cloud. In the Old Testament, the presence of God is often symbolized by a cloud and with fire and glory. And this is described in verse 5 as a bright cloud covering them and a voice that speaks telling us four things. See this verse, what's said of Jesus? Verse 5, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased listen to him. Now, hearing the voice, how do they respond? They are terrified. It calls to mind what happened in the second book of the Bible in Exodus when Moses received the Ten Commandments at the top of the mountain, and the Israelites at the bottom of the mountain trembled when they heard God speaking at the top of the mountain. How terrified must the disciples have been? And they fell to the floor. 
and yet wonderfully see how Jesus deals with them. They're quickly reassured by his touch, his simple words, don't be afraid. And as everything else vanished, they are left alone with Jesus. See how wonderful it is that Jesus deals with them. How wonderful that this Jesus is how God speaks to us today. Not in a terrifying way, but by sending his son who says, don't be afraid. This is the first reason to listen and live for Jesus. He is the glorious Son of God. We must not miss this like missing Superman, what these verses are telling us this morning, what we're joining in on by opening our Bibles this morning. Peter has just recently confessed Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then this bombshell comes from Jesus about death and suffering and what kind of Messiah he will be. And so now is a timely confirmation to help them to understand that they've not got it wrong about Jesus. He is the Messiah, but he's also the glorious Son of God. Why does this matter? Because the world is confused about Jesus. The world has so many other ideas. The world thinks he's just a good teacher. He's just another prophet. But we're being shown in these verses he's on a whole other level. He's divine. God come in person into the world, the Son of God, to make God known to the world. Known personally to you and I. That is what is possible when we open our Bibles and we start to read about Jesus. That is why we will want to help our friends where we can and if we have the boldness and the opportunity to open our Bibles so that they can hear more about Jesus, so that they can get to know Jesus. In the pages of the Bible, we get to see and hear what the disciples saw and heard. The way to know God is Jesus. All vanishes, and it's like, it's like a big pointer. Only Jesus is left on the mountaintop. He's the glorious Son of God. Come from God. Listen to him. He is the one, the only one, who has the authority to call us to listen and live for him today. That's the first thing to see. The second thing in the remaining verses, the second reason to listen and live for, for Jesus, he's the suffering Messiah. He's the suffering Messiah. We come in verses 9 to 13 to something that, that seems at first reading, second reading, third reading, quite a cryptic exchange. It's got something about Elijah, something about John the Baptist, and then something about Jesus. And actually, that's pretty much it. There is a connection between all three. In verse 9, Jesus, after seeing this vision, instructs them 
Don't tell anyone what you have seen. The three have not to talk about it, but there is a time limit until after his death and resurrection. Jesus again saying what is coming up. You see, while his mission, the suffering, his death and resurrection, while that remains to be accomplished, he doesn't want people distracted by this account of his heavenly glory. That would get people confused and missing the point and expecting a whole different kind of Messiah, one who would deal with the Romans occupying their country and who would deliver the people from the Romans. Jesus wants to deliver people from something far bigger and something more serious and deadly than the Romans. Now, having seen Elijah, the disciples ask a question about Elijah because in Jewish thinking, Elijah, the prophet, was expected to have a significant uh, part to play in what we might call the end times, the end of time. And a lot of this came from uh, verses at the end of the book of Malachi, right at the end of the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 4, where it talks about Elijah must come first before God will then visit his people. And so that's why the disciples ask, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus, in verse 12, wants to agree and say, they're right. Elijah must come first. But they don't understand that he's already come in the person of John the Baptist. Now, if you've been following along in Matthew, Elijah is connected to John the Baptist at various points. And Jesus is saying here, Elijah has already come and been killed by Herod. You see, some, when they heard John the Baptist, they recognized his message, the validity of it. But many did not, including the leaders in Jerusalem. And although it was Herod who had John killed, it's what the leadership wanted as well. And so Jesus makes the final connection at the end of verse 12. He finishes by making a direct link between John's death and his own. Did you see that? The second half of verse 12. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. One commentator puts it like this, I think helpfully. The appearance of Elijah on the mountain, while it testifies to the heavenly glory and authority of the Messiah, is also through John 
the second Elijah, a pointer to the earthly fate of the Messiah, which Jesus has already been talking about. He's going to suffer. He's the suffering Messiah. And their section finishes with verse 13. The disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. I don't know if we're meant to go at the end like sort of, ah, they've got it. He's talking about John the Baptist. Which, of course, again, seems to be slightly missing the point. Maybe, maybe listening to Jesus, they've made some progress because this is a moment of understanding. But clearly there is more to understand about Jesus, his death and resurrection. As readers this morning, this is the big thing that we need to try and understand, that listening to Jesus helps. Clearly, there's more in the story. And so keep following the story. If this is new to you, keep reading the story. Keep coming on Sunday. But from these verses, grasp what kind of Messiah Jesus is going to be a suffering Messiah. Disciples today need to know this. We need to know so that we will not be surprised if we suffer when we follow Jesus, purely because of our faith. Just as he faced suffering, suffering will spill over into the lives of his followers purely because they're following Jesus. People will hate you, mock you, and oppose you. And we need to know that that fits with the experience of our master and not be surprised when it happens. If you don't already know this, you need to know this will be part of following Jesus. It doesn't mean you're on the wrong path or that you've done something wrong. As it was for Jesus, so it will be for his followers. But understanding that he's the suffering Messiah helps us because it shows us how much he loves his people. This is key. When life is hard, when following Jesus is hard, that we do not lose sight of his great love for his people. You see, you and I, we're helped to listen to someone when we really know that they really care, that they have our best interests at heart, that they love us. When we grow in understanding that we're loved, then we're won over. 
This is a morning to be, to be won over again by Jesus. We're shown here that Jesus is the glorious Son of God, loved by the Father, the one with whom he is well pleased, yet the one who chose to leave the glory of heaven to be born as a man, to suffer and die for his people, to save sinners like you and I. He wants us to trust him this morning. He wants us to live for him. Will you listen to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, please would you help us to see these two pictures of Jesus, the glorious Son of God, with all authority, who calls us to himself to live for him, to even die for him. Please would you help us too to see the suffering Messiah who loves his people and whom we can trust knowing that he gave everything to save us. Help us please to live for him. Help us please to listen to him this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.